This is the Olive Magazine podcast, a weekly roundup of food and drink chat brought to you by the team behind Olive Magazine. I'm Janine, Olive Food Director, and I'll be hosting this episode. This week, web editor Alex travels to Neuer's Kitchen in Bath to chat to owner Neuer about Vietnamese ingredients and some lesser-known dishes. Later, I'm chatting with cookie writer Adam about the comeback of slow cookers and how to make the most of them. But first up, here's our drinks writer Hannah with editor Laura on how to do booze-free January and some new alcohol alternatives to try. So my name's Hannah and I edit the drinks drinks pages at Olive Magazine. So this time of year is obviously a slightly odd time to be talking about drinks because so many of us aren't drinking. Mm. Um, So... In the team, some of us are doing dry January, um, like our editor, Laura, who's here today to talk about it. Um, I, I am not. I'm still <laughs> using up my uh, supplies of Christmas port, Ooh. which, you know. Very jealous of that. Yes. <laughs> um, so, yes, how, how have you found it? Is it painful, easy? Do you know what? So far, what date is it today? So we're recording on the 16th of January, so we're halfway through. Mm-hmm. Um, Ends in sight. Ends is in nearly. sight. And actually, it's going fine. Um Adam Marker writer was saying that I think it was this weekend just gone that everybody breaks generally mm. if they're going to because you're kind of two weeks in you've got no money left it's wet mm. it's wet it's raining um so I can kind of get that and mm. my boyfriend who was meant to be doing dry January did break this weekend <laughs> um but I'm 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 sticking firm but yeah I as a general rule do probably drink more than average um I think it's partly living in a city because we tend to go out lots it's our industry uh, it's my business Mm. to try lots of different drinks to be out at restaurants and bars most evenings Mm -hmm. um so um scarily I probably normally drink five to six times a week which I don't think is probably very good for my liver um and it was actually last year that I was inspired to do dry January I'd always kind of dismissed it, to be honest, as one of those marketing uh, ploys. And there are lots of them and, and they're great, but uh, it never really appealed to me because I do, I do like a drink. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, but I was on a press trip and uh, for any journalist or anyone in the industry knows, if you put more than two journalists in a room, that is a recipe for a drunken disaster. Um, so we were going up to Edinburgh to check out the new Dishroom and uh, I was, you know, all geared up to be drinking lots. And a, a chap who works for a restaurant magazine, Stefan, the editor, he was doing Dry January and I was horrified. I was like, how could you possibly be doing it when we're going to Edinburgh? And he was like, do you know what? This is the one month in the year when you can kind of do Dry January and not drink and get away with it because... Mm especially in our industry and living in a city and if you're very social, it's really hard to say, no, I'm not drinking tonight because peer pressure, um, you know, you want to drink that delicious wine or that delicious new gin or whatever it might Mm. be. It's really hard talking about it for me now. Um, (laughs) I want to have it. Uh, Yeah, and he just said that everybody gets it. Lots of people are doing it. And if you say you're doing dry January, then they kind of leave you alone. They understand it. They understand, yeah. Um, And he just said it was kind of the easiest time of year to do it because there's there's lots of other campaigns, isn't there? Like Stoptober and Mm. um, Sober October or whatever it's called. I think it's Sober October. Sober October, yeah. Um, And, you know, I've even tried to kind of 
limit myself on odd weeks and it's it's just hard so mm. I thought do you know what this year I'm going to do it mm. and a severe hangover over the Christmas period really helped me decide yes, that I definitely want to yeah clarified it, it. um oh. so yeah it gives, gives your body a chance to reset um and kind of do a little bit of repair work for all the damage I've done all the indulgences of Christmas yeah it fits in with sort of eating better yeah and... yeah and um I kind of had a quick look on the Alcohol Concern website, which is one of the the hosts of mm. Dry January. And it, there were some interesting stats. I'm not sure if I've necessarily seen exactly this result, but it's interesting nonetheless. So they say that most people who do Dry January, uh, 79% saved money. Mm-hmm. So that's like an obvious one, isn't it? You're not spending yes. loads of cash going out and drinking. Um, and even more scarily they said that the average person spends £50,000 on booze in their lifetime horrifying isn't that horrifying that's a very large deposit on a house yeah that's a deposit on a mansion on a mansion yeah I mean (laughs) yeah so that horrified me actually Uh, it's horrified me it's a good stat to know (laughs) isn't it um I mean, I would imagine for most people that's 50k well spent and some great times have been yes, had true, and delicious true. drinks have been drunk, but, but an interesting stat nonetheless. Mm. Um, 62% said they had better energy and more sleep. Um, for anyone that's got good hearing, you might hear that I have a cold at the moment, so I'm not quite sure I believe that just yet. I seem to have done dry January and got mm. more ill. Um, okay. But anyway, that's fine. Um, and forty nine percent said they lost weight. So I'm looking forward to Which, seeing the results of that. Yes. If I do, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? Does yes. Mm. What you might call empty calories, but mm-hmm. I mean they're they're worth every sip. I would imagine calories sort of joy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, I suppose the point of this podcast, other than to kind of shame us all into how much we spend on booze, <laughs> um, is to kind of give a few tips I'm actually not missing the booze at all like I genuinely love it I drink it like I said five to six times a week um so it's not that I don't like alcohol at all I really do and I like all types of alcohol (laughs) um but I haven't really missed it and I think that's because one I'm I'm really determined um two I'm drinking loads more water I think mm. a lot of the time it's thirst, isn't it? You yeah. say after work, you're like, I really, really have a craving for a glass of wine or a or beer. A cold beer. Cold or... beer. And it's that thirst element. And actually, because I've been drinking loads of water all day, you know, I'm quite full. Mm. And, and that's helping with my eating as well. I'm not snacking as much. Um, so it's helping with the whole being healthy in January thing. So drinking loads more water. I also got a soda stream before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm a big fan of, and we've actually uh, did a little mini feature on that in in the drinks pages, the measure in our January issue, which is still out now. It's been such a good investment. So I've been drinking loads of sparkling water, lime and soda, really refreshing. This makes it a bit more interesting, doesn't it? Totally, and you know, reducing my plastic uh, because I was spending and buying a bottle of sparkling water virtually every day. Mm. So now I don't have that plastic waste as well. So I've been feeling really smug about Mm. all of that. And actually, Olive Readers can get a 25% discount on the fizzy SodaStream at the moment, which I think is brilliant. So if you just go to sodastream.co.uk forward slash olive, you can join the SodaStream gang. Um, Another one which we actually featured in the January pages too, which I've really got into recently, is kombucha. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those people that don't know about kombucha, it's a fermented tea. Um, I kind of like dabbled with it because uh, it got kind of trendy in London and then kind of went again mm-hmm. last year, maybe the year before. But I went to New York um, 
in the latter part of last year and it's just huge over there mm. um so there's so much choice there's you know dozens of brands every store has it from big supermarkets mm. to health food stores to tiny corner shops in every neighborhood of new york um you know you say you'd go to the equivalent of wh smith's in in new york mm. they'd have, have it yeah like um and even like one shop that I went into in Brooklyn had a kombucha tap, which I just thought was brilliant. Wowzers. Yeah. Um, so I really got into it. Um, it is harder to find over here. Yeah, Still, I, don't, I don't see it. It's not as mainstream mm. and it sometimes can be, you know, quite expensive. So you're looking probably around three to six pounds per bottle. Uh, and they're normally jar glass bottles. And um, with the six pounds one, I am talking about kind of a big, a big jar. Yeah. But still that's pricier than your average soft drink mm. but um i just love the flavor um mm. so it's fermented tea it is sour it's quite tangy it's really tangy i find it really Lovely. refreshing and i also find it really energizing mm. um and you don't get that same crash that you have you know when you have a sugary fizzy drink or or caffeine so does it does it not have any caffeine or? it has about three times oh i'm gonna get this wrong now it is in the january issue but it's it, i think it's like a third less caffeine mm-hmm. so it has a small amount but you don't have mm. that kind of peak and trough yes um it's definitely less than your regular tea and obviously tea itself is less than coffee or something like that um and i don't really drink tea or hot tea or coffee as a general rule so mm. this is my only source of kind of energy mm. um other than exercise and things uh so yeah i really can't recommend kombucha enough if you are doing dry january or any time of the year so my favorite brand at the moment is a company called real kombucha um so a lot of kombucha brands you'll notice they do kind of flavors to either enhance the tea flavor or to maybe perhaps mask the tanginess so they'll do like fruit or ginger is a really nice complement to mm. fermented tea but um these guys real kombucha they just focus on the tea and i love loose leaf teas mm. and the range of flavors you can get um so i really enjoyed that so you could get like pan roasted green tea or smoky black tea mm. um or like a fragrant first flush darjeeling it's quite delicate imagine it's a flavor quite delicate really delicate and um it's just the natural i prefer natural kombucha i don't like kind of any input but that's mm. personal preference um and you can get those in selected stores and restaurants and online at Borough Wines mm. if you want to try those ones. And I definitely would recommend that. Sounds lovely. Um, yeah, so, and actually, I went into Whole Foods yesterday and they were doing sale on, on lots of different kombuchas. So I just have a look, especially now, mm. they might be doing sales if you want to try. So stock up. Um, if you can't find any kombucha um, or if you, you, know, you don't want to spend that much, one thing that I am doing as well, um, if I'm craving that sharpness, is it sounds a bit weird and a bit health freaky, which I'm definitely <laughs> not, you know, I'm not. Um, I have a, I'm starting to have a splash of cider vinegar and water. Mm. Um, it's one of those things that sounds a bit Beyonce, maple, paprika, water mm. madness, but um, it's actually really good. So for me, it's just a sour drink again. Mm. I really like that. I find it refreshing, different to just regular mm. water. Um, but also it does have all these reputed health benefits um and i've read quite a few articles um that really do sort of back back up claims so i use willie's apple cider vinegar with the mother which is a bit of a mouthful um but it's made in herefordshire by the same guys who make chase vodka and gin which i'm also massive fans of (laughs) yeah i like tasting um so it's basically all it's made with is organic apples which are pressed and then left to ferment so you've got that fermented tang again 
And the mother is the uh, is creator, which is the good and friendly bacteria. So that's why it does lots of good things to you. So that makes the vinegar slightly cloudy. Um, and they say cobwebby, but I haven't noticed that so much in my yeah. bottle. But um, it's not kind of the clear malt vinegar you might be used to, or as harsh indeed as, as malt vinegar. So it's meant to be rich in enzymes, potassium. It's meant to support a good immune system, good for digestion, skin, muscle pain if you've been exercising. It can help you control blood sugar levels and it has the potential to drop your cholesterol. So lots of good things. That's, I might have to try that out, actually. And it's just delicious. Mm. Um, yeah, so but re- I would recommend reading up on it to make sure you're clued mm. up um, if you're going to start doing it. And I wouldn't be like doing shots of vinegar because you have to remember it is an acid so you don't want to do any other damage um to your insides by drinking lots of acid um so yeah read up um but i would i would recommend it um yeah and you you've been busy throwing non-alcoholic things my way haven't you yes well um so the whole um idea of zero alcohol or low alcohol uh products um, seems to be really gaining momentum um so i've been seeing lots of different products that have been launching on the market um so a couple of things that have sort of come across my desk uh, include a sort of, um, it's called Tierney, yeah. uh, Thomas and Evans, which is a kind of pre-mixed sparkling botanical drink. Yeah, so I tried this. Mm-hmm. Um, it's definitely something slightly more sophisticated and grown up than a fizzy pop mm-hmm. drink that you might be used to. I likened it to a bit like a posh schler, if anyone's mm-hmm. familiar with that um, kind of dry designated designated driver drink um it's got grape juice in it which i'm not a massive fan of so i think that's perhaps tainted my view but it's got grape juice apple and lime and they say it's filtered through silver birch charcoal if that floats your boat um yeah it's it's okay i i liked it i can see why it would appeal and the bottle's very grown up and 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 nice you wouldn't feel Mm. like you were kind of either drinking a child's drink or, or not drinking a nice drink um if I'm being really honest, I think I slightly prefer um, something like the Innocent Bubbles range. Mm-hmm. So that's made by the Innocent guys who do the smoothies. Um, and that is literally just a can of fruit juice and sparkling water. Mm. And that is apparently counts towards one of your five a day, which is rather good. And I just found that really refreshing and like the right balance between sweet, sharp and, and bubbly. Mm. Um, so I really like those. And then you also gave me another one as well, didn't you, which was very grown up which was the Mon- Monte Rosso, is that how mm-hmm. you pronounce it? Yes. Um, very beautiful, snazzy Art Deco label. And it's like an Italian-style spritzer with rowan berries, cranberries, bitters and soda. And it's definitely got that bitter adult edge. You wouldn't find children drinking this. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's a little too bitter for me with, um, without the balance. You know, if I'm going to go bitter, I think I want alcohol in it as well. Mm. Um, and maybe that's just my palate needs training to not have the alcohol, but I'd much rather in a groney or like an Aperol spritz. I think you need that balance, don't you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I often find whenever I have, I haven't, I've stopped drinking for a while. Yeah. I always crave that kind of, that sourness and bitterness. Yeah. But I think if the product is perhaps too similar yeah. to what you'd get with alcohol, I think you end up just missing... You're missing that element. That but all good cocktails have, you know, that balance between sour... Um, sweet, um, bitter, whatever. They have that balance and it's making Mm. sure that your soft drink perhaps has all of those things um, in place. But, you know, there are loads of great drinks on the market and um, definitely keep an eye on our social media feeds because we're always trying new products and Mm. obviously keep an eye on Hannah's drinks pages, The Measure. Um, They're in every single issue and online at olivemagazine.com. 
um, yeah. So I am doing Dry January. Um, I'm going to put a caveat in because when this comes out, I'm probably going to be on holiday and I'm probably not going to be Dry January. So don't email in and say <laughs> she's broken it but I'm going to add in an like ex- a temporary, temporary I'm doing a temporary break and I'm going to add in an extra four or five days on the end but yes oh, very very disciplined of you yes so um yeah hands up to all the people doing dry January I'm I'm with you and uh we'll see you on the other Stay side strong. <laughs> all right thanks Anna now let's head to Noya's kitchen in Bath to learn more about Vietnamese food Hi there, it's Alex here and I'm in Bath in the lovely city um, and I'm on St James Parade um, at Noya's Kitchen. I'm here with Noya. Hello. Hello. Hi. <laughs> um, so I've just had an amazing lunch and we're going to talk a bit more about Aww. that later. Um, but first of all, I'd like to just um, share your story about how you got here because it's an it's amazing story, really. Um, Noya was telling me before how she fled uh, South Vietnam um, after the war in a fishing boat with your family, didn't yeah, you? Yeah, yes. Um, so where did you come from originally? What so we came from a little fishing town called Wienyang. Actually, it's not so little anymore. It's actually quite a big place by the sea. Yeah. And then uh, we just one day, we were just taken out of our bed and we had to say goodbye to our family and said we're leaving Vietnam and never to return again, which was quite dramatic as a yes. child and had no idea where we were going at all. No. No, so... So um, I understand that you traded water for gold and you yes. were in a li- little tiny fishing boat um, for two weeks yes. uh, before porting in Hong Kong That's for six right. months. So I can imagine that... Um, so you grew up in Vietnam and then you were in Hong Kong for a while and then you were supposed to go to America, weren't you? But the queue yeah. was too long. So That's what my parents England. used to say. They used to say, oh, God, the queue was too long. And so my parents were like, what's the shortest queue? They were saying, yeah. And they said, England. So we're all going to England. <laughs> I to be offended by that. But, um, but and I'm so glad. <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad they made that decision. Well, we're very glad as well because oh. it means that um, Noya, about how long ago did you set up your um, uh, four, four I, and a half I'm, years ago? Five years, coming up to five years yeah. now. So Noya's had an amazing... Um, Vietnamese supper club that's got a great reputation in Bath. Um, I've heard about it from London and oh, like, wow. <laughs> um, our travel editor lives here and she's heard amazing things. Um, and today um, you just launched your um, new bricks and mortar place, didn't you? Yes. With, which has a lunchtime menu. Um, but what I wanted to talk a little bit about is how your upbringing and obviously stopping off in Hong Kong and how that's affected your cooking because I know you said like you had to go to the market and stuff in Hong Kong to yeah had a lot of siblings I think you know uh, when we're growing up it's really inbred in us just to buy fresh ingredients all the time my parents Mm -hmm. used to go to the market find some bargains and then they'll just develop the menu from what they bought that day. So pretty much I try to do the same thing. I mean, now, luckily, I get the market coming to me, so yes. that helps me going. But at the beginning, I used to go and find all these ingredients and what herbs are available, and then I decide on what to cook from that point on. Okay. So it can change quite often. Mm. And what are your favourite Vietnamese herbs? Oh, definitely the hot mint, because that goes with absolutely everything. It goes in soup, salad, and actually... It's so fresh and light. I just, I love that one. That's, and is it hot? Is it spicy? It, well, it's got a lovely aromaticness, uh, but also a slight spice kick to it too. Okay. And um, does it look like 
British mint? No, or? not at no. all. It, it's long and thin. And actually, I tried growing this year. Yeah. So it's really special. So now and again, I go, I've got homegrown mint. Oh, how did, did it work? Okay. It worked really well. It oh, grew on wow. the side or in the windowsill, okay. on a bright, sunny windowsill. It Amazing. does brilliantly. And you just have to root it in some water and then plant in soil. And it grows perfectly. Fab. And what um, dishes do you use the hot mint in? Okay. So one of my favourite one, and this is one of the subclubs' favourite one, it's called a Hue chicken salad, which is... Hue is um, Hue a place Central in, yeah, or in her. Vietnam. <laughs> or her. Yeah. It's very famous for its temples, isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. Oh, it's got... I missed out because um, I unfortunately had food poisoning when I was supposed oh, to go. No. I was supposed to go, but we stayed in Hoi An, which is beautiful anyway. It is beautiful. But um, tell us about the Hue salad. Then. Oh, the Hue salad. It is... <laughs> chicken salad but it's not just any chicken salad okay yeah this one has been poached in lovely flavor and then you can use the stock for fur but and then i use the poached chicken shredded it up and then i mix some lime salt pepper and then put some fish dipping sauce which is one of the classic vietnamese dish as well and then rub it in with some cabbage uh carrot raw onion and loads and loads of hot mint oh, and, and then just drizzle with and then uh, with the dipping sauce and then peanuts and shallots mm. and then surf so with rice really crackers crunchy. yeah it's got loads of texture and crunch and the flavor is so fresh and zingy great yeah, and how that. do you make the perfect dipping sauce oh the dipping sauce <laughs> you, everybody have to learn to make this goes on everything even even when we're young kids we used to pour it on just plain jasmine rice oh yeah and that would be our dinner that's all you need isn't it exactly so the perfect dipping sauce all about the right balance so you okay. need good quality fish sauce mm-hmm. um so uh, sugar do you lime. Use, sorry do you use Thai or Vietnamese fish I use sauce. Vietnamese. I use the three crabs for dipping. Then I use any any fish sauce for um, cooking with because okay. um, you know you don't want to waste the good quality. And one so the, the Vietnamese. Why is the Vietnamese one special? Oh, the one. This one actually. You try tasting all the different. It's the way it's brewed, the way it's made. It's much sweeter. It's not so salty. Okay. And it's just more. Uh, fragrant and it fish sauce should not smell so if you've got smelly fish sauce you need to chuck it away ah really because yes, I often smell like because I cook a lot of Asian yeah. food and Vietnamese and I often smell like fish sauce so maybe I'm using the wrong one maybe you're using <laughs> or maybe it's been in your cupboard too long you yeah. really need to chuck that so away so what brand would you um, suggest well I use the three crabs and three crabs yeah okay you, there's a picture of three crabs on it um it's a, it's a little bit expensive but I think it's worth, it's worth it, it if you cooking with fish sauce a lot especially to make the dipping sauce as well yeah the dipping sauce so you've got your three crabs fish sauce well yes and you need your rice vinegar right and if you can't find rice vinegar i sometimes use a uh, cider vinegar okay i also use uh red chilies the hot ones right uh you can use burst eyes but i use a lot the uh asian hot chilies okay and they're really aromatic and fragrant and, and are they what spicy. do they look like are they shorter they're quite small but they're smaller than the birds I one mm-hmm. much smaller and you can use green whatever you can find really something with a little bit of heat some crushed garlic um and a good whole squeeze of a whole lime really juicy okay. lime in that and sugar and it's always a sugar that you need balancing so okay. little often so taste it and if you mm-hmm. think you're like, oh you're making that sharp face you know where you're like oh yeah add a bit more sugar even half a teaspoon makes such a difference okay and what kind of sugar white a sugar caster. brown sugar always use finest caster sugar and then it dissolves quicker okay of course yeah great and always make it 15 minutes before you're ready to use to give it time to infuse or 50 15 right okay okay lesson learned yeah <laughs> um and then what's your other like fame like famous vietnamese dish that you make 
Oh, they like the they like the bong bar, the beef. Yeah, uh, I had that today. That was amazing. Yeah. Can you talk a bit about that? Because it has amazing, really soft brisket. Yes. Um, and because you have it in really thin slices, how do you do that? Okay, so the broth should be made the night before. So really give time with the beef bones. It's quite a process, but it's worth making. Mm-hmm. So I have to cook the bone off to make sure you get all the impurities and then clean the bones and then put it into a fresh pot of water. So is it any beef bones? Or any yeah. beef bones. And then I put some, wash some brisket and uh, do the same as bone, put them in there too. And then I add fish sauce, um, sugar. Sometimes I use palm sugar. Depend- oh, I love palm sugar. Yeah, just to get that depth you need. Then I roast uh, loads and loads of garlic with the skin on. In oh, the, on yes. the grill, so almost burnt. So you got that lovely smokiness, mm-hmm. and then you put it in there with loads of lemongrass sticks, bruise, and then you just uh, with fish sauce and sugar, and then you just let it cook for about six hours, slowly oh, wow. simmering away. After three hours, I take the brisket up because I don't want it to f- completely fall off the bone. So it's six hours the briskets in the broth. Uh, three hours brisket, but the okay. bone stayed about six hours. In wow. There, okay. You know, and then I let it cool down. So I do this first thing in the morning, mm-hmm. and by the end of the evening. It's cooled down to go in the fridge, and then I have to decanter it, um, purify it. I sieve it, mm-hmm. so you so you get a really lovely clear broth lovely. as well. And then I put the brisket in the fridge, and then slice it the next day. It's nice and thin because it would have set. So never yeah. try to cut the brisket when it's hot. Okay, okay. Because that was actually really great because it meant that it was really, really thin slices, yeah. but there was it wasn't tough in any way. No. You know how sometimes you get the fibres that um the, Exactly. That I cut through. those off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it was really, really tender and but, it just melted in your mouth. And, and also, it, what's so nice and thin is when you pour the hot broth over the top, mm. it just warms it through again. Of so course. it doesn't ruin the shape and it keeps it whole. So you don't heat it up again? No. Oh, so you So I lay on top of the warm noodles mm-hmm. and then I thought the broth has to be boiling hot. Okay. And then, then that should sort it out. And what, which noodles do you use? It's, I use the big fat noodles. So they're rice. They're really good for gluten-free, actually. Most of the dishes are gluten-free. Great. Um, so they're vermicelli rice noodles, but they're, they're really... You can get different sizes. Yeah, because often they're quite clear almost, aren't they, vermicelli? Yeah, that but one these were quite white and thicker. Thick, they're proper thick rice, and you have to cook it slightly different. Okay. So normally I steam cook the rice noodle, but this one you're cooking like pasta. Right, so on a like low, spaghetti, I suppose. Like it's spaghetti. very similar to spaghetti, very, actually. Very, because the, the texture is very similar, mm-hmm. but it's gluten-free and it's made ah, with rice. Amazing. So that's really good, actually, for people that want to substitute Definitely. Um, spaghetti. Yeah, so, so you just have a look in the supermarket. They normally have lots of different brands. So find the thickest one, and it normally says cook for seven minutes, boiling, simmer, simmer. Okay. And are they from Vietnam, or are they uh, just... These are Vietnamese ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, because it's from Hoi An, I, I, each broth comes with different type of noodles. Oh, so it's okay. really important. So if you're making pho, yes. you want to have the flat rice noodles, yes. the thin flat rice noodles. Um, so if you're having bung bar, it has mm-hmm. to be fairly thick. Okay. And if you're making the summer rolls, it's got to be the very thin vermicelli rice noodle. Right. So each noodle makes different... I know a lot of people just think, oh, it's just rice noodle, but to me, no. it does a different thing and it's all about the texture. Yeah, definitely. It does make a difference. Yeah, it, as, you as with it. The Italians also are very particular about what sauces go with what pasta. And exactly. it's the same in Asian cooking as yeah. well. Um, and just before we finish... Um, can you just um, tell us a bit about the Thali menu? Because it's just a really nice 
nice way of doing it. So basically when you come for lunch, you get a, a menu and it's £15. Yes. And you get a little bamboo um, tray. Yeah. And you have lots of little dishes. So we start with... Um, start with the summer rolls. Yeah. Um, which has been marinated prawns filled with mango, mint, coriander and pickle flower carrots. <laughs> and then with a dipping sauce that we talked about earlier. What are flower carrots? Oh, the pickle flower carrots. So in Vietnam, my mum always used to make these flower carrots. So the, fla- the carrots are cut into flower shapes. I don't know if you oh. noticed. And then sliced and then pickled. So Amazing. it just looks really pretty when you put it on the summer rolls. You can see the actual yeah. pattern. So uh, I'll point it out next time. Yes. There's a flower Sorry, carrot. I didn't notice. Beautifully Oops. cut. <laughs> <laughs> all that hard work. I know. Not that. I spent hours. <laughs> and then, um, and then and the bung bar. You work yes. on the bung bar, and then you have the ginger and chili uh, chicken stew with the jasmine rice. That was rice. amazing. And then the tapioca uh, pearls in coconut milk infused in pandan leaves. And is then that top- a typical um, yeah, it's, dish. It, it, the typical dish is made with um, banana. So I kind of choose whatever fruit I can think is in season. And oh, orange, yeah. there's so much orange at the moment. So I uh, poach some orange and then put some orange syrup over the top as Amazing. well. Amazing. So is it, what, what's the base then? The, the base tapioca. is coconut milk and tapioca. So tapioca is? It's, a, it's from, uh... oh gosh, I do know this. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's just gone completely blank. It's a root plant. It is... I don't know as either, so I can't. I know, I, I can see it and in my head. It, it's it, brown, it's grown the ground. It's, it's like, oh, it looks like a sweet potato. Is it it's a daikon? A, cassava, sorry. Cassava, okay. Cassava, that's what it's from. And is it, um, what kind of shape is it? Is it's it like really a rice? It's really long okay. uh, and long-ish and quite hard skin and white in the middle. Okay. And they ground it down, make it into tapioca powder. And I use tapioca in... Uh, the chicken wings, which is another classic. Ooh. Crispy chicken wings. I tapioca. love crispy chicken wings. I think that's one of my favourite things oh, to eat Oh, with dip ever. sauce, covered in dips, dipping sauce. Mm. I don't deep fry mine anymore. Do you not? I bake mine in the oven. So Interesting. I dip it, I marinate in fish sauce and sugar with lots of pepper and then I dip it in tapioca, lay a whole tray of that on parchment paper, spray it with some light oil and then I bake it for about 45 minutes and oh. turning halfway and it's Amazing. so crispy. Does it so it, it makes it still as crispy even oh, though you're even not frying? Crispier and healthier, and that's you can amazing. Eat a lot more. That's good because I love them, and my... I don't have a deep fryer at home. I so. don't do because I I so I adapt certain things to. Also, you know, I'm not into cooking with loads of oil and no. things. So I really like the the freshness of them, and I don't think you need to deep fry them. No. And I've tried them; they work. All my sub love it. So. Okay, well, we'll be doing that next time we I make our wings. I could even put that on the tali menu, you know, the yeah. menu next time. So this is what is so great. There's so many amazing dishes, and that's why I want to give everyone a chance to try yeah. new things if they've never had it before, because you wouldn't necessarily pick chicken wings with no. dipping sauce on the menu, would you? Well, I would. But... <laughs> you wouldn't because you know about it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, well, I think we'll have to leave it there because um, we've learned so much about all of your Vietnamese, favourite Vietnamese ingredients. But um, if you want to come and try um, Noya's food for yourself, uh, they're on, is it nine St. James Parade? Seven. Seven. Seven St. James Parade in Bath. And they've got an amazing supper club that they're still doing um, in the evenings. And lunchtime is Tuesday to Saturday. To Saturdays, yeah. Just need a rest, you know, Monday, Sunday. (laughs) Of course, you deserve it after today as well. It's very busy. Oh, thanks so much it's lovely to meet you oh thank you so hands up who's got a slow cooker hidden at the back of the kitchen cupboard
here's some reasons to drag it out and put it to work. So Adam, we're here to talk about um, the renaissance of the slow cooker. Yeah. What's your memories of slow cookers? Um, do you know what? I don't really have any. Really? Yeah, Did your grandma not have one? No, it wasn't ever really in. Like, it weren't really in my house. I don't. Okay. Yeah, I'm sort of. I am the new. I am the newcomers. <laughs> I am the one to be converted. Shall we say? Yeah. I've used them a few times, but never really. I don't really have. Yeah. What about you? Is it something that? Was yeah, my grandma about had your... one. I guess it was probably back in the eighties or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I think when I when I went off to get my first flat she mm. bought she bought me a slow cooker because oh, she fantastic. said it'll it'll help you out yeah. <laughs> you know put it on in the morning put all your stuff yeah, in and yeah. when you come home you've got your tea ready your tea's all ready to go <laughs> but yeah my life wasn't like that then so yeah <laughs> i did i did kind of get into it for a while because i think it was the biggest pot that i had in the kitchen mm. so um so if you're doing like a massive chili or something yeah, it yeah. was really good it's good um but i think i think the reason they're back in popularity like various reasons um you know it saves money it, it saves energy apparently it's got the same energy usage as one light bulb yeah it's amazing um, isn't it i mean that that fact keeps popping up again and again yeah, so i yeah. guess i guess it's true um and again the convenience i mean you, there is a bit of prep involved but once it's on you can't just leave it yeah. i know I, I do leave stuff in the oven but leaving stuff in the oven for eight hours, I might just get a little bit antsy about that. Yeah, I think it is. there's a little bit... I mean, with a slow cooker, it seems like the margin for error for, yeah. that, for that sort of thing. Whereas in an oven, I mean, you can board, you know, you, you have to, do have to check it. Whereas a yeah. slow cooker is much more of like, it's such a low temperature and the times are so long that, you know, nothing's really going to go. And you can set it to switch off. So yeah. it'll just keep things yeah. warm after a certain modern, time. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I just thought... Um, I. I've written this feature in our new issue, the January issue about slow cooking. So I thought I'd just go through, you know, to try and get you back into it. Some mm-hmm. hints and tips about um, how, to, how to make the most of it, yeah. basically. So like the first thing that people go on about a lot, and I see in a lot of recipes, is the browning issue. Yeah. So, um, so many people get kind of worked up about, you've got to brown everything before it goes in, you've got to cook everything. And for me... Um, that's true in some cases, but it slightly winds me up and it sort of takes away the whole beauty of just being able to throw everything in and leave well, it. Yeah, I mean, that, like that, that would that would slightly irk me if I'm like browning everything in a casserole. Yeah, just then, put it in then, the casserole. Then, 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 yeah, 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 do you know what I mean? Like, mm, I've put all the ingredients in and now I'm going to transfer it into mm. something else to cook. But uh, yeah, like you're saying, I think there are certain things which I it think, adds and which things that it's you know, it's yeah, not necessary. I mean, my rule would be if you're making... Um, something like a chilli or a curry that's got a deeply coloured sauce anyway yeah. and it's going to cook for a long time, yeah, yeah. that's going to give your food a really nice look anyway. So I think you can probably get away mm-hmm. without browning it. Um, if you were just doing, say, like a bog-standard Irish stew, I think I would probably brown the meat first just to give it some colour because this the slow cooking and the liquid does kind of leach the colour out quite a lot. Yeah, so, yeah. so my rule would be, you know, things that haven't got a lot of colour to begin with maybe just give it a quick brown I mean you can get slow cookers now that actually do have a browning browning, function so you can't just keep everything in the pot Um, alternatively some slow cookers they've got like an inner metal um, sort of hob proof Oh, so you could, you could like almost lift, use it as a casserole, yeah. lift it out. And then put it yeah. back in and then add all your other ingredients. Yeah, I'd recommend checking that it's uh, yeah. Yeah. hob suitable. Please before, check yeah, before the you instructions whack it, first. Whack, whack it full whack on your gas hob. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, the, the beauty of it is, I guess, that you, you could potentially adapt 
any recipe that's cooked in a kind of casserole type yeah. environment to yeah, a slow yeah. cooker. Um, the only thing that you have to watch out for is the liquid amount because obviously in oven cooking with the heat, um, there is more evaporation yeah, just okay. because of the heat going all around the pot. Mm-hmm. Are you going to get more liquid evaporation? Whereas with a slow cooker, you're not really going to get yeah, yeah. that happening. So the, the general rule, um, and you can sort of do this by trial and error it, it but it's generally about third of the liquid needs to be reduced before you put it yeah. in a slow cooker mm-hmm. and you should be okay with that yeah. i think yeah yeah um and like you say i think you put a note of like the real simple just mixing uh like a teaspoon of corn flour with a table, like a little table yeah, of water to make, make a paste a, and stirring that through then that'll thicken it up the attractively and, named corn flour slurry which yeah. is how they always say on american recipes mm. which is just a tiny little bit of thickening to add in at the end i mean i i i don't mind it i think I think it's, you know, it might be slightly looser than, than your casserole or whatever. I don't really want to go in and thicken everything with corn flour. I think that's, that is quite an American thing to yeah, do. But, yeah, um, yeah. you know, I think just, just live with a, the slow cooker liquidiness. Yeah, sometimes I, I like sauce, so yeah. it's never an issue for me. Um, and we were also talking about some quite surprising things that you can cook in. You, you had more surprise than me. Mine are all quite bog standard. No, not really. <laughs> no, I've just seen, I saw um, online that you can do, um, <clears throat> you can make like brownies and things like that, like really slow brownies. Brownies make sense, yeah. Um, so they're like, it's just like a really soft set, fudgy, you know, sort of texture that they, they won't have like the crack of an oven no. or anything like that. But just if you're looking for that really soft, fudgy texture, you can just make a big bowl <laughs> well it'll be a, it'll be like a big round brownie one yeah, and then yeah. you can cut it into squares i'm, I'm going to challenge you right now live to do, do that gaunt, recipe the gauntlet has been set we will try and get that recipe online in the next couple of months i genuinely um, have a pen in my hand i'm writing yeah. <laughs> um mine were a bit more standard um i think you can do kind of fresh jams as in quite slow cooked jams yeah um, nice also chutneys that'd be really nice yeah. as well because you'll keep a lot of the freshness so that you're not like because heat changes the yeah. flavour and you know texture of things and if, it, if you're cooking things at a low temperature I mean you'll retain all that sort of freshness of the fruit that you're yeah, making out definitely. of jam that's really cool also um, chutneys um, I know a couple of people who do overnight porridge in it so mm. you put it on the lowest setting yeah, yeah. you put your porridge in in the morning you've got this really lovely creamy um, and actually you know as someone who's re- I, I'd probably sorry porridge fans would probably make porridge in the microwave um but i know that if you're making it in a pan it can be a bit of a wrestle in the morning and you yeah, can burn it and catch it's, it always, <laughs> I, I don't know anyone who's made porridge really in the morning who's not caught it so um, maybe, maybe we should call that overnight uh, the 1950s version of overnight oats <laughs> yeah exactly and you've got I, I guess in the morning the house is going to smell really lovely yeah. as well with porridge um Another couple of things, um, stock, which is a brilliant idea because as we both know, if you're making stock from scratch at mm-hmm. home, one of the things that you mustn't do is let it boil because no. then all the impurities go back into the stock. Yeah, yeah. So this is great. Like put your chicken carcass in there. It'll really slowly, really slowly come up yeah. to boil and you can just skim all that stuff out. And yeah, just, just let, it, let really... it tick away for eight hours and then you've got really good chicken stock. Yeah. So I think that's a brilliant one. And then I think puddings... Um, like a rice pudding again mm. because it needs to cook at that slow cook you won't get the skin on it but i don't know if you're a skin on rice pudding but no i'm not really i don't yeah, yeah. I think it's, like my mom and her brother used to like fight over fight over the skin on the that, rice that, pudding mm, but nah. it's kind of sugary it's nice oh it's no nice. I, 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 I can imagine it's just yeah. also reminds me a little bit of like cling film or yeah. something <laughs> that yeah you're only going to get the creamy version mm. and um and then but yeah and um and lastly i guess with the whole getting ahead 
saving money and and waste as well. Um, Another attractive term, dump bags, which which are basically, um, I think it is an idea that came over from the US, which is that you're like pre-preparing all of your stock ingredients or your your stew ingredients or your broth ingredients. So you get your veg, your meat, put it in a freezer bag, and then you can add, you can add like a marinade or you can add the sauce. You can have your tomato puree, your spices, everything for like a chili in there, with your beans in there, ready to rock and roll. And like you say, I think it comes from, because you literally just dump it into the pot yeah top it up with enough like however much water and away it goes and the beauty of those is that you can literally spend a weekend just filling up your freezer with these bags yeah and then night before you want to cook get the bag out of the freezer leave it on the side to defrost mm-hmm. um the morning of you going to work dump it into a slow cooker tea's ready tea's ready bob's your uncle <laughs> that's the yeah. that's the dream right there can yeah. imagine can, can listeners can you imagine coming home from work and dinner's already ready <laughs> it never happens to me. No, 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 <laughs> but no hopefully that's given you a few nice tips and pointers to start using your slow cooker. And if you want to investigate even further, we've got some great recipes online too. But thanks yeah. for that, Adam. No worries. That was this week's Olive Magazine podcast. If you liked this episode, please head over to iTunes and leave a review. We'd love to hear from you. For more information on things in this episode, you can visit our website, olivemagazine.com. And you can still pick up a copy of our January issue now or go and download the app version. Bye for now and we'll be back next week with more food and drink chat.